It is such an honor to introduce you to David Lindsay tonight. David has been involved in freedom issues for over 30 years, and he is the author of several books, including The Annotated Criminal Charging Procedure in Canada. As well, he provides an extensive 15-part webinar that offers Canadians the truth on a wide variety of constitutional issues. He is the co-founder of CLEAR, and many of you will recognize him as a passionate freedom fighter opposing the ongoing COVID-19 fraud. David is a man of integrity and honor, and he has such a calm and reassuring presence as he continues to share his wealth of knowledge with Canadians who are being bombarded and blindsided by our corrupt government leaders. David, we are so glad you can join us tonight. Welcome once again to the Empower Hour. Hi, thank you. <clears throat> and um, you know what? Number one, it was great to see you last night. And uh, there was a lot of people at yesterday's meeting. And, you know, for those who are um, relatively hooked on technology, I'd like to let you know that this is the way meetings used to be done. People sitting across. Give me five. Yeah. Right? Right on. <laughs> okay. That's the way meetings used to get done. People, People sitting across or next to each other. other. And uh, I know most of the power hours, for example, um, have been done by video, which makes things a lot easier. But um, being here in person certainly has a lot more energy for sure. So. I'm grateful and um, thankful that I was invited back on again as well. Yeah, so because our computers are so close, I'll turn my, my computer speaker off and, and that helps with that a little bit. But it's so good to have you on, David. I'm always excited because, you know, we feel very confident in what our rights are. And what's, what's the Action for Canada? What's the name of the show tonight? The Empower Hour, right? Because yeah. we want to empower Canadians because when, when you, we always say knowledge is power. When you have it, you got to share it. And we're here to partake and participate in yeah. sharing knowledge with you. And uh, so, David, with that, I'm going to hand the show over to you. I'm looking forward to what you have to present. And then we'll get into a bit of conversation. If uh, you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A. I don't know how the system will work for tonight for um, actually having people on to ask Q&A, but we'll give it a shot. So if that comes to that point near the end of the show, just raise your Zoom hand and uh, we'll be asking questions as well. All right. Thank you. Over to you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that has really gotten people's attention lately has been the concept of 15-minute uh, cities. And they're starting that right now in, in Oxford in England. And... It's incredible what they're doing because it's totally expanded from there and it's gone basically throughout southern England and in, in London and, and various other places. And before I get any further in there, I'd like to play a three-minute video for you. Terenzio, if you wouldn't mind, um, if you have that video, I'd like to play this for everybody to get you an idea of not only what's happening in England, but the opposition that's there to it. And you'll find that we are really being ignored, not only here in Canada by our uh, members of parliament, our MLAs and, and councillors, but you'll find that the same thing is happening in England on this particular issue. So, Terenzio, um, if you have that, would you mind playing that for, for three minutes for everybody? I'm very lucky I've managed to get away, but I tell you what, it's taken me so long to get across London when I wanted to leave. I left from Newham, where I had to get passes sent to me because now they've got these LTNs, low traffic neighbourhoods and zones controlling people. Then I go to Hackney, same thing. Then I go across to Harringay, same thing. Then I want to go up to North London to visit my family, same thing. They're imposing it, no measures that are told to us in advance. 
signs up. Each week people are getting fines, they're getting restrictions. Businesses are saying this is impacting them terrible, terribly. Residents are saying that people can't see their family and friends and yet we're told it's for our own good. When they did the consultations for these low traffic neighbourhoods, the majority of people said they didn't want them. But we were during lockdowns and off the back of lockdowns and restrictions, a lot of them were put in by stealth. In Oxford, we've seen a similar situation where a majority of people said no. Over 5,600 respondents said that, you know, they did not want, the majority of them did not want these LTNs, low traffic neighbourhoods, and they did not want this 15 minute city. We're seeing the same in others. We're seeing Cambridge, many residents and businesses challenging the congestion charge. We know that in Canterbury there's many concerns about this. In Birmingham, many of the hospitality businesses and people at the mosque are saying they don't want these things imposed on them. But the councillors are not listening. Where are the MPs in all of this? Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, said he doesn't care that over 70% said they do not want the ULES extended because it's going to impact drivers, cabbies, it's going to impact all our businesses, retail, hospitality, residents, families, and always it's hitting the working class and the poorest the worst. It's meant to stop congestion, they tell us, and yet we find congestion everywhere and pollution even worse in these areas. We shouldn't be told where we can go, who we can see and how we can do that. There are streets, and that's why together we've got a campaign for our residents and our members and for the public free our streets together. We want to take back democracy. This is an imposition on our lives. We don't want the LTNs and actually we don't want a 15 or 20 minute cities. Get involved, sign this form. Let's take back democracy together. Let's free our streets. Thanks very much for playing that. And that gives you an idea of what they're doing in England right now to railroad these, uh, these smart cities in on everybody. And they've got a variety of names, they, they will call them, and a variety of different reasons that they're going to impose on it. But as I've talked about before, fundamentally reduce everything to its basic constituents. And then you can see that what they're doing is, is basically a restriction. As a gentleman said, who is the founder of that group out there that's opposing it, it's a restriction on your liberty of free travel. And they are going to come in, and right there, what they're doing right now, they're not getting anybody's support for what they're doing. And there's no ongoing debate. There's no ability for anybody in England right now to go and tell them, this is why you shouldn't be doing it. And it's a multifaceted component. It's not just that you can't like, go out 15 minutes um, from where you live, for example. They got filters in place. They got England's one of the most heavily cameraed places in the world, and especially in London, where everything you're going to be doing is going to be tracked. Your license plates, of course, if you go from one zone to another, will be tracked and you'll be fined on them and you'll be given tickets. And one of the aspects now they're working on is what's called ULAS, as this gentleman mentioned as well, which is ultra low emissiency zone. And that means they want to try and keep cars out, period, as much as possible from those zones. If you go in through there, they're going to charge you 12 pounds per day to go through there, which is about $20, $22 Canadian. And there's also penalty for you can apply. And if you get a ticket, for example, those uh, penalties could go up to 180 pounds, which is pretty expensive. And fundamentally, again, think about what they're doing. They are essentially not only impose, imposing a tax on your right to travel, 
on the free use of the public highways. But they're also imposing an imposition that, in my opinion, violates equality provisions because who's going hit to get hit the most? The, the lower and the middle class. The rich people aren't going to care. They can have a chopper in their backyard and fly to somebody else, right? It isn't going to affect them in any And nobody has looked at the reasonableness of what they're doing, the effects of what they're doing. Um, put aside the fact of, of the control aspect of what they're doing. Look at the repercussions that's going to happen on a reasonable travel position. As um, was talked about by the girl at the opening video, people are going to find other methods to get around. And the, the congestion is simply being transferred from one area to another. In various cities, they have uh, what's either called a ring road or a perimeter highway, for example, around them. And if you can't get out of there without being fined, people are from one end to the city to the other, people will take that around. And that's a stopgap measure because then what they're going to do is they're going to come up and say, well, if you take the, the highway around the place, we're going to charge you from there and we'll have cameras watching as well. Every aspect of what they're doing right now on these 15 minute, minute cities is to control every facet of your movement and not only to control it, but to know what you're doing. So your privacy rights are completely lost. And if there's one aspect in all society that you need to value the most is privacy, not only with respect to your travel and where you're going, when you're going uh, on a regular basis, but your financial dealings, every component in your life has to be tracked by these guys from their perspective. And that's where they're coming at. it. And it's going to be a very, very difficult um, situation with digital ID, digital currency. And you combine that with the traffic um, ability for what they're doing now. And you're going to be in a situation that has been existing in China for, for half a dozen to a dozen years already. And when it came out and people learned about it here, they were aghast. And, and people think, no, no, that'll never happen here. But look now what is happening. This is what they're doing in England. And they're charging fines and, uh, and penalties on, upon people for, for what they're doing to move around. And here... What they're doing it is, is kind of in a different way, but it's, it's going in that direction. What they're doing is they're building communities here now. And within those communities, they're building high rises. And within a few minutes of the high rises, everything is going to be there that you allegedly need, your stores, uh, your maybe a, a mall or whatever, so that they are trying to not use force, but to use convenience again to keep you in that area. Why do you need to go to the other end of town? Everything you need is right there at your doorstep. And they're building these communities in, in that manner. When, when cities used to grow, they had malls that came out and people used to travel to the malls no matter where, where they were. And uh, sometimes people go across city because they had a better mall. They simply don't want you using vehicles anymore now. And, you know, in the 50s, in the 60s, and the 70s, the automobile was the signature of freedom. That's what it meant to be able to travel, go where you want, do what you want. Gas was really low in, in terms of cost. And the whole um, aspect, the whole nature of traveling in your automobile is freedom. And if you flip the coin, the whole aspect of taking away your right to travel in the vehicle is a lack of freedom. 
It's the opposite of the point. So you take away, and then suddenly you're dependent upon any mode of transportation the government provides. When they decide to do it, at the price they decide to charge you. And this garbage about pollution and so on, um, again, every excuse that these people are making is premised on fraud. China puts out more pollution than all North America does, or England. What is a little city like Oxford going to contribute? Absolutely nothing. Or Toronto, or Winnipeg, or Vancouver, or Calgary. The amount of carbon dioxide the world puts out is so minimal compared to the amount of carbon dioxide in the air that you can immediately start talking and realize it's a complete scam, every aspect, right? I'm really concerned about the 15-minute the highways because as various people have mentioned, what if you want to see family? Do you need to pay now to go there? And not only pay, but it violates your right of free travel. And the right of free travel on the public highways goes back over a thousand years in English history and now into our history, of course. All of these rights and freedoms are coming about simply because um, uh, they want to take away your right to free travel, period. And Terenzio, if, if I can get you to show me the screen with um, the two posters on it from, from uh, Oxford, by the way. I wanted to mention those. Yes. Uh, David, could you please specify which uh, ones you wanted me to bring up? Yeah, there's a, um, a file with just two posters in there from, um, from England about a group there that reconnecting on. I, okay. I could sing for a moment. Sure. Well, I could sing for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do bass in the background. <laughs> these, um, these posters, I'm glad for this group in, in England. It's it's more in their face, so they've had to come out more directly and oppose this right now than people in Canada have had yet. But make no mistake, they're building these communities in a way so that you don't have to travel. And then what they're going to do is they're going to say, because you don't have to travel, if you do do it, you're wasting resources, you're, you're taking away everybody else's ability, we're going to fine you, or more importantly, they're going to tax you on it. And they will tax you for going from one zone to the other. They will have transponders like they do on the 407, whatever it takes to monitor your movements as you're going to be going along. And this is where they're going on this. These cities, 15-minute cities that they're contemplating, are nothing, nothing but a complete violation of your right of free travel. And that right existed long before mobility rights existed in the Charter. And I want to emphasize that the um, right of free travel is similar to free speech in common law, for example, because in common law, your rights and freedoms are supposed to, anyway, expand. So, for example, a thousand years ago, free speech was like me talking to Tanya right now. That was the only way around it, right? And there was nothing else. If you wanted, you could send a letter to somebody. Somebody had to go and move it. That was basically about it. Today, of course, free speech has expanded significantly with the amount of uh, ability for us to communicate, case in point, the video we're on right now. And the right of free travel is exactly the same. It, the, the right to pass and repass, it, which is what it was called, was never restricted 
to people walking on, on the roads that were there. And the roads were dedicated by landowners to the monarch to hold in trust for the people to pass and repass. They were there and the term pass and repass came about because people were using horse and buggy. That's why they had to pass and repass. Not because somebody was walking and decided he had to pass somebody else that wasn't walking that fast. And consequently, the right of free travel also includes your automobile. Now, they've played, as you know, master wordsmiths. These people have played games, and they call it motor vehicles, and they call it driving now instead of traveling, where the original term was called an automobile, and it was called travel. Travel. And what they're doing now has gone far beyond even that. It's to be a complete destruction and make everything about the right to travel into a privilege, not only in the sense of, I wouldn't call it a multiple privilege, you're going to have to get a driver's license. Then you're going to have to take tests. And I don't mind the test aspect, of course. And then you're going to have to start paying taxes. And you're going to have to start paying fees to travel from one area to the other. And as a result, what has been for a thousand years is going to be a fundamental, absolute privilege that these people are converting your rights and freedoms to. So we'll come on to this one right here. And this is what Reconnecting Oxford is doing. And if you'll notice, their travel plan here, it's called Travel Builders to Limit and Monitor Residents' Car Use, Daily Charges to Drive Petrol or Diesel Cars. What else gives you more freedom than that? Electrical won't give you that. And to say nothing about the lithium mining problems in the world that are taking place all over the world, including now they want to build a big one in, in Mexico. Um, workplace parking charges. If you have over 10 employees in Oxford, they're now going to be charging 600 pounds a year for a parking stall if you have an employee that's going to drive to work, travel to work in their automobile, right? That's a lot of money that the municipality is going to be getting from these taxes. Then they're creating more low traffic neighborhoods and reduced parking, and they're going to get rid of parking areas. You know, one can see it just in the Okanagan here. Um, they're getting rid of uh, automobile lanes and putting them with bike lanes. And every time you, you go down there, there's nobody using the bike lanes. They're virtually empty all the time. But these environmentalists wanted these in there, so they've taken the ability of travel. And now what's happening is you're getting backlogs of traffic in these streets because people are not going to change their, their habits. They want freedom. People want freedom. And the automobile is freedom. And you're not going to get freedom driving a bicycle in 15 below weather with ice on the road. OK, so it, it's really making it difficult, if not impossible at times, to get anywhere. That wastes gas. Especially if you're 80. Especially if you're 80 years old. You ain't riding a bike at 80, right? So they're going to have a lot of problems. And you're going to be using more gas. you got more wear and tear on the, uh, on the brakes. Every part of your, your uh, thing, which you have to buy more parts, and on it goes, right? And I really, really like what these people are doing in Oxford to combat this. And like I said, right now, they're just getting their door, foot in the door here in Canada in a variety of areas. And we're going to have to be very, very careful. Right now, what they're doing, like I said, they're starting to get bike lanes. They're, so they're taking away the lanes for the cars to be on in the first place. And then, like in Kelowna, they, put, they got three lanes going through Kelowna on Highway 97. The curb lane, they've designated a high-occupancy vehicle lane. 
you need two people in the vehicle. So that lane is where everybody turns right, and then it backs up everybody. So now, instead of having three lanes going, you've got two lanes effectively going. And now the traffic is backed up. And, and it's causing more gas being wasted, all kinds of problems because of these, these stupid uh, policies that these guys are doing. Everything to do with these plans on smart cities. I shouldn't say smart cities, dumb cities is a better word. 15-minute cities, right? Everything is a violation of your rights and freedoms completely. Every single aspect of it. And um, is there room for it? Okay. So I really want to emphasize, here's the other poster I wanted to show you here. And what they're doing in, in London. Not only are they making these 15-minute cities, they're charging you if you use a car that doesn't meet their vehicle emission standard. So if you have a car or a half ton that's 20 years old, you won't meet their standard. They will charge you 10 or 12 pounds a day to come through if your vehicle doesn't meet those emission standards. If your vehicle does emit or does make um, and meet those emission standards, then what that means is you've got so much electronic wiring in your car, they'll probably use some form of electric zapper to stop your car whenever they want, right? And everything involves you paying the state money and lots of it. It's a complete scam that was piggybacked onto the COVID-19 scam. While everybody was focused on that, they're bringing in the environmental stuff. And... There's absolutely, any reputable scientist will tell you, there is no carbon dioxide problem. And this one here is basically giving you information on what they're doing in London right now um, throughout the downtown core and traveling. And keep in mind, some of these cities are really big. And like Toronto, for example, is 70, 80 kilometers from one end uh, to the other. How many zones would they make in, in Toronto that you would have to tra travel through if you wanted to get from, say... Mississauga, all the way to Scarborough or Oshawa, and suddenly you're paying 50 bucks a day to travel from one end of the city to the other. These people, these traffic engineers, have structured your cities and the ability to travel in the car to make it congested and difficult, if not impossible at times, to travel. Then they're saying, because of that, they want to come back up now and impose further restrictions by saying, we don't want you traveling anymore. They are the cause of the problem, as usual, by setting up systems that don't work and were never designed to expand for greater populations. No, no forethought is put into any of these systems. It's almost like a car where, where you know, your radiator goes, throw it out and put a new one in. They design these systems the same way. When it doesn't work, Take people's rights away and put something else in, in that effect that you'll lose your rights and freedoms. And another component that people have forgot is now what are you going to do when you want to move? Are you going to have to pay movers because you can't load everything in your half ton and move it somewhere where you want? Your ability to haul stuff and travel and carry stuff and carry goods, that is going to be impeded. And as a gentleman said in the video, how many businesses have already gone under because of these? And they're saying it's a test program in Oxford right now. But he said there's test programs all over the place. So it's one program on another. And businesses are now going out because people don't have the ability to travel. 
going in a car not only is freedom, but it's fast and it's efficient. Taking a bus means you've got to walk, you've got to wait for where the bus comes, and then the bus may be there. You can't carry everything you want to shop for on a bus. You simply can't. And as a result, a lot of shopping that you're going to want to do at, say, if you want to go to Costco, which is on the other end of town, you're not going to have 15 Costco's in a, in a city. You're either not going to be able to go, which is going to put a restriction, if not a prohibition, on your freedom in that context about where you're going to shop and what goods you're going to put on the table. It's simply going to prevent you from going any of these places without paying huge fees. And keep in mind, in the U.S. Constitution, it says right in there, you have the constitutional right to the pursuit of happiness. Although it's not in the Charter, former Judge Bacon in England in the 1800s was very, very clear. Our common law, you have the right to the pursuit of happiness. God didn't put you here to be complaining and whining and stressed out all the time or full of anxiety. He put you here to be happy. And that's the foundational principle, one of them, of our common law. How are you going to be happy when you can't travel anywhere? You can't visit your family and friends when you want. And they're already taxing you enough to pay usury on the debt. This is just more taxes that are going to be on top. In Canada, a few years back, they... Um, they raised $5 billion in fuel taxes. And out of that $5 billion in fuel taxes, only $300 million went on the roads. All the rest went into general coffers. What if that $5 billion had gone on the highways? Not only would it be better, they could have built more highways. And you would have taken the raison d'etre of these 15-minute cities away from them. It simply wouldn't exist. Why, why need them? Because we would have the ability to travel. Please put some thought into this. Keep in mind around the country, in your municipalities, where not only this type of activity is starting, but where they're starting to build high rises and then build stores all around the bottom of them in these little communities where they want people to move in. And then they tell you, well, you don't have to travel 50 minutes. Everything is right there for you. And if you do travel, then we're going to find you. But it's going to come in slowly, it's going to come in incrementally, and they're going to use convenience as always, right? They will use convenience. Don't fall for it. Don't let them do it. And every city council meeting, anything they have where they're trying to put bike lanes in, or they're trying to take away the ability to travel, it's all part of the same agenda and needs to be opposed at every single aspect. We have a lot of land in Canada. We don't need 15-minute cities. We don't need them at all. So I, I really urge everybody to keep in touch um, with each other on those issues and let everybody know when you hear something is happening. Check out these guys' website. Um, their name is Reconnecting Oxford. I don't have their website. I apologize. I don't have that in front of me, but they're called Reconnecting Oxford. They're doing good work, really good work there right now on opposing it. And... You'll find good information on their websites, not only about what they're doing, <clears throat> excuse me, but also what the city of Oxford is doing, because they state right on their website what they're planning on doing and getting everybody's rights and freedoms uh, taken away, allegedly, as you know, for, for your best interest, right? So that's about all I really wanted to say on that. I wanted to bring it to your attention, not only what they're doing in England, but how they're slowly putting it in here. 
And I wanted to emphasize that you have these fundamental rights of free travel that they cannot lawfully take away from you. And if I can leave you with one point on that, our law, our common law is based on the supremacy of the individual, not the collective. Consequently, if there's a problem traveling in your community, the goal is to fix it so the individuals can travel, not to take individual rights and freedoms away, because that's exactly what our, our law is based on, not the community. And the happiness of the individuals is the happiness of the community. The community is not happy, and they're telling the government they don't want it. That's because the individuals in that community are angry, and they don't want it. And these MPs and MLAs have to start listening to that. I'm done. I'm going to switch these earbuds back over to Tanya. One. We're going to have to share. We're going to have to share? Okay. <laughs> My ears are clean. I can't get this working. One in this ear. I got one here? Oh, On that okay. side, so I can read. There. There you okay. are. You, okay. There we go. <laughs> Isn't this fun? This yeah. is good. It's good. You can't censor me either because I'm right here, right? Unless you have duct tape <laughs> to put that over my mouth. And it's just just nudges, right? Okay. Just elbow nudges. Yeah. So I'm going to actually go like this and you and I will just join each other sure. together here. Twinsy, are we good? good. Yes. Ready. Okay. We're, we're going to do this. Okay. okay. All right. Um, so, you know, something that I was bringing up on our web page, and I, I know Sheila will throw the mobility rights page, <coughs> rights tips on how to respond to police, etc. But I'm loving Section 9. It yep. says that everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. Yep. And a lot of people are referring to these 15-minute cities as to being imprisoned, mm-hmm. right? So that's another, um, I don't know if you had mentioned that one, so because I, I was not. busy. Nobody knows, but my computer all of a sudden dived to 1%. <laughs> Imprisonment. So David and I have been working really yeah. hard to keep this show going, and Terenzio in the background. Yeah. So thank you, Terenzio. Uh, it's definitely different than being in the comfort of our homes with everything <laughs> as it normally is. Well, no positive problem. energy. Right. <laughs> um, something that I want to bring up is, uh, Trenzio, can we share my screen again? Yes, you're good. Okay, so I hope everybody sees this. This is a news report that uh, has, has just come out recently, and it says, Gandhi responds to BC Green Caucus letter to bring Bill 36 back for debate. And the reason I want to bring this up is because part of this 15-minute city and what Action for Canada has been asking you to do is get involved with going to your city council meetings. Uh, You need to start having conversations. You need to start bringing information in. Because how we got in this mess was that the uh, minority, just as this 1% minority, even less than that, have brought a lot of these problems into Canada whether it's the radical sex activists who have um, overtaken the gay and lesbians platform in order to have this just this sexually deviant uh, agenda within our schools, trying to get a hold of our children, whether it's all of this climate change craziness. This has been a minority of people who've had nothing better to do. I don't even think they sleep, right? And lobbying government. And so what can you do? You need to be lobbying government. You need to let them know your post. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we all know the BC Green Party, the Green Party federally have just been taking a dive. Nobody wants to support them. They're losing seats. The NDP lost half of their seats last time. The Liberals lost a bunch of their seats. They need the um, few seats from the Green Party and the NDP even to keep them going. And so what this means is that they're trying to take an issue that's of concern. Here in B.C., 
Bill 36 is bad news. It affects the doctors and our healthcare professionals mandating that they have to get jabbed in, in order to work in British Columbia. And that's just not going to happen. We're, we have a constitutional when with our upcoming amended notice of civil claim, we're also including Bill 36. But to me, I look at this news report and I say, aha, there it is. This is the voice of the people. And this is a party that's sinking that wants vote. It wants the popular vote. And, and that's us. We're popular now. Absolutely. And so are all of you. And so I'll just, if we can stop sharing screen. You know, if, if I can just add one yeah. thing there. The other thing, excuse me. The other thing to keep in mind about going to your city council meetings, anytime app, um, you see towers going up, 5G and so on, applications have to be made to the city in order for them to get permission to do that. You should see those on your city council meetings as well, and that will enable you to have opposition to it rather than just sitting back and all of a sudden one day, wow, that tower went up, and then trying to fight it after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have two or three people keeping track of your municipal agenda to find out where these towers are going up and, and to have opposition to those prior to them even being uh, granted uh, permission to do that. It's, it's easier to fight them in the beginning than it is after the fact, right? Right. And on, on my own, years ago, I was fighting the city of Surrey, bringing awareness to the 5G towers that they were anticipating here. And the uh, communication um, companies that were bringing it in, TELUS, etc. I can't remember, there was another name for it. They were creating these pamphlets. And on the first page of the pamphlet, when they were lobbying the city council, schmoozing them, paying out some money, right? You put this on your building, we're going to give you $100,000. You put this on your farm, uh, you know what? We're going to give you $200,000. There's money behind all of these towers going up. And so uh, what do they feel and need to do on the front cover of, uh, of these pamphlets that they were providing the mayor and city council is to talk about the conspiracy theorists, Right. 5G is known, I believe it's called a secondary, um, that it, 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 it penetrates the skin. Hmm. Uh, yeah. What do they call that? I've, it's just uh, slipped. The name is, uh, uh, it's escaped me. Yes, thank you so much, Roxanne, a carcinogen. Okay. That's very serious because, uh, you know, our regular communication, we knew that Ethernet and, and the rest of these cables and how we were hardwired wasn't affecting our health but now they're um going to wi-fi completely in all of the schools even in rural areas kids are coming home with nosebleeds they're coming home with headaches they're not uh feeling well and it has to do with the 5g it they at during covid you know that they were going to schools and popping up all these 5g towers look at the tops of your schools find out where they are and you should be complaining about this you should be fighting to get uh, back to being hardwired and we get rid of all of the 5G. I've literally had tech guys come to my house um, and, and they've said there was no need for 5G. It does not increase the speed. You will know as well that it doesn't even uh, increase the quality of your cell phone communication. It actually makes it worse. You go buy those towers and they're just actually taking data off your phone, but they are critical for these cities. Yep. And, and so that's why we're saying we need um, individuals within every community that we're even uh, setting up Action for Canada chapters. We need a group of people to become really well versed on the EMF harms and the radioactive 
response to people's bodies. And then you need to go and lobby city council. You need to be well educated because the other side is coming in with all the schmoozing lies and money and they don't understand how sick it's making people. And it's just all part of the process to move towards controlling the masses. So it, you're exactly right on, David. Get into those city council <coughs> meetings and uh, start getting your voice heard. So, uh, Terenzio, do we have any hands up by chance? Does anybody have it? Okay, thanks. And so I know that I'm getting some communication right here on Telegram. Thank you, Sheila and Heather, for posting those. So far in the UK, what are the consequences for those who don't comply and or pay such fines or taxes? Do you have any information on that? Right now, <clears throat> this is only in certain areas. They're considered to be trial programs, but they are imposing fines on people, as I mentioned earlier, if they don't comply with them. And that's why there's being a, a huge amount of opposition there, a huge amount of opposition. Um, how much longer... It's going to go and 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 when they get out of the trial program and into trying to put it into actual legislation, that I don't know at the, at the present time. I'm not sure, but if you go onto their um, website, they will tell you about the trial plans that are in place. And this gentleman in his website that I mentioned to you earlier, which was um, Reconnect Oxford, they have some excellent information on there as well. And their next meeting, as I mentioned, in, in Oxford is going to be March 9th. So you know this is an ongoing, present thing that they're doing. You're mm -hmm. not hearing it on the net and thinking, wow, this happened uh, six months ago or something. This is ongoing there right now, and it's getting very, very serious there. Right. So we need to watch what's happening there and compare that to what's happening right here in mm -hmm. our own neighborhoods in Canada. I loved it. You know, that uh, rally that that little girl uh, spoke at, and we yeah. played that just prior to actually the Empower Hour tonight um, commencing. It was on the uh, preview part of it, but it is on the website. I did put it out in the page this week. Anyways, there was tens of thousands of people that showed up at that rally. Those streets wow. were packed and filled. And so you know the government's looking at that. And then in other videos that I saw, I just love it. They were putting the five-minute cities in, and they put this post in the ground. And and only if they remove this post could you have access. Could you come or go? And in the middle of the night, somebody's going there and pouring concrete into the hole so that they couldn't put the post in it. I mean, these are the kind of things we need to do. Civil disobedience? Yes. Long-honored tradition? How do you feel about civil disobedience? What can you tell our our viewers about that David I, I agree with it <clears throat> you know what peaceful civil disobedience is the way to go and there's going to be a time um, and it's coming very quickly where people are not just going to sim simply sit back and say okay your whole corrupt political and judicial system can can screw us and take away our rights and freedoms and we're just going to uh, you know watch TV and do nothing mm -hmm. people are going to start doing things like that like pouring cement into them and making so that they're inoperable mm -hmm. and um, and that's going to come people are not going to put up with the restrictions on their freedoms you know over over the years we've come up and up and up into a higher standard of living and these guys now want to take that back and put us back to a lower standard of living and for the for the most part people are not going to accept it period Heck no. you know i remember a friend of mine telling me years ago and he said for the first time in the history of mankind we don't need everybody working to produce everything we consume so how are we going to keep purchasing power in the hands of the people we don't need working? And similarly, thinking about with uh, all your rights and freedoms, you know, people are not going to sit back and simply say, you're going to take away our rights and freedoms, and we're not going to do anything about right. it. 
they're, they're simply not going to do that you know, anymore. I'll, I'll tell you a good story, too. You can look this up. In Toronto, they were going to have one of the first ever smart cities, and uh, Toronto mayor was all in, And but people started lobbying. They started working together. It was going to be the smart cities with the little robots cleaning up the streets. People were going to lose jobs. And uh, because of all of the lobbying, because people really fought, I think it was four or five years ago, I can't remember, mm-hmm. and I was so excited about it, it, it got cancelled. And they had bought all of this land, and they were ready to get going on the smart city, I'm sure, leading to this 15-minute city. And what they're even even creating right under our noses, you can see that it's happening. And, you know, I, I have not complied to any of the COVID measures, because it was all nonsense and lies, and... Um, you know, abracadabra scaring people and all through the rest of it. And, uh, you know, we've got critical thinking people on this call. And uh, I made it through all of COVID. My 82-year-old mom made it through perfectly fine. There was nothing to be concerned about, but I knew my rights. And when you know your rights and you speak those rights out loud, uh, you know, the government and, and these institutions go to their lawyers and their lawyers know your rights as well. And they know that they can't interfere. Yeah. So as we've said in, in BC, we kept 45,000 teachers and all the school staff working. They never had to succumb to losing their jobs or being mandated to take this jab. It was an awesome, amazing thing. City of Surrey, because of letters that I wrote really back and forth, you know, their lawyers were involved and said, don't bother us again. We're not doing anything illegal. And I said, that's right. And don't you dare, because I'll write you another letter. And but it kept the staff working. So, again, I started with knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to share it. But we need you digging in and we need you. If you're one of these people, you know, who's who's got an interest and a gift for understanding uh, the side of it with the EMF and the and the radio frequency signals, get involved. Start going to the meetings. Put a PowerPoint together. I know somebody asked, Tanya, do you have a letter on this? Well, I do from years ago when I was writing and appealing, you know, to the city and making sure that, again, it comes down to as well liability. Uh, my mom and I, they've got uh, towers going mm-hmm. up near us, and my mom and I are really struggling health-wise. We can feel it like we're in a microwave all the time and we're complaining about the same thing. And I know it's because of all the towers. So how do we appeal to the to the city? I don't have time to take yet another thing on. So if you're an expert, help us out. Send us some good information so that uh, we can put that up. All right, let's go. We got eight hands up. I'll make one comment on that. There's a group out of Winnipeg. I don't have their name in front of me. It was in our email Mm -hmm. that went out, but there was an awesome group out of Winnipeg, and they've been doing this opposing 5G for at least three or four years now. They have a great website. They have Mm -hmm. awesome information. Uh, You might have to do a general Google search to get it, but they, I think, are one of the longest and most knowledgeable groups in in uh, in Canada on 5G. So if that's a concern, that would be the place to go. Well, and I included in the weekly email that I sent out about Health Canada, and then the UN does this measure, measurement. I'd have to go back in into the link to understand all of the lingo. But Health Canada, they know this is a carcinogenic. They know the UN yep. has even said it, but they're refusing to change their standards. It's from 1980. Like things in technology have really changed. We can all agree on that. This is very harmful. And um, okay, so there are uh, people, eight people with their hands up. So how about I'm just going to let you and Terenzio go at it. So you take the floor. Terenzio, if you can start asking people to ask their questions, we're going to ask you to be very specific, ask your question. And so that David can get through as many as possible. Perfect. First, uh, First up we have is Shonda. Shonda, you should uh, see a message pop up on your screen. 
Next, we have uh, Pamela. I am going to just cue Pamela. All right. Can either of you unmute? If you're having problem unmuting, often that's because you have not updated your Zoom. I see Pamela. You have unmuted. So can you speak? We hear you. No. There you are. All right. What's your What's your question? I don't have really a question other than. I don't see five uh, the uh, five key uh, towers uh, right over say my area and my build. I don't see them. I don't know how to identify a five G tower. What does it look like? All right. Well, maybe what we'll do is if somebody can just look one of those up on a link and share it in the chat. Um, I just don't have time to bring one up. Thank you so much for asking that question. All All right. right. Um, Next person we have is Diane. Hi, Diane. Your question? I might go to the questions that uh, they're saying. Next person I'll cue is Joanne. Hi, Joanne. You should see right. a message pop up on your screen. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll let you do the other questions in the meantime, Tanya. Okay, maybe if you can direct message anybody that's got their hand up, would you um, be prepared to unmute? Terenzi will get you queued up, and some have been questions have been put in the Q and A, and I'm just going to go directly to there. Actually, Tanya, if it's okay, I'm just going to lower everybody's hands so that we could just refresh it, and if everybody okay. could just re. Uh, place their hand up and then we'll know that it's fresh. I'll wait for your cute uh, Tanya. All right. Thank you. I know that uh, Sheila is asking a question. I think Sheila could action for Canada, please create a notice of liability regarding the harms of the 5G uh, Wi-Fi and EMF radiation harms. If I didn't sleep, (laughs) (laughs) I could create that document. Uh, It's been on my radar Uh, But we, of course, have been going so hard uh, against the COVID restrictions and those notices of liability, which has opened the door straight into the battle on the front lines for our kids. And so we need more people to join our team in order to facilitate that. But I believe it is absolutely a very important campaign to have. Uh, So if anybody wants to reach out and um, offer their assistance, I would be very grateful. All right, so is the federal government imposing such restrictions on the provinces or the provinces imposing municipalities? Why are MPs and MPPs not talking about this in Parliament? Yeah, Parliament would have no control over this. This would be a provincial and a municipal Mm -hmm. issue. And yet the province would be using financial incentives on the the cities, municipalities, and or legislative uh, incentives. And telling them, um, you know, if you want to get grants or you want to get this or that, you need to pass bylaws that restrict the amount of access for streets or where people can travel and so on. A lot of it will will come on provincial and depend on the streets that you're on. For example, in, in Kelowna, Highway 97 all through the city is controlled by the province, even though it runs direct, directly through the city. All the traffic lights, the synchronization is all done by the province because it's a provincial highway, even though it goes through the city. So it, it, a lot of it is going to be a combination of both incentivizing each other and justifying it to each other to try and uh, to try and get that done one way or the other. And as I said earlier, they're doing it incrementally 
using zoning and planning variances and and uh, and getting people located in certain areas structured in the way that they're trying to say, well, you don't have to go anywhere, right? Right. So it's going to be both the province and the municipality. Right. And there's a really big push, as I've been mentioning in previous shows, that the WEF has said that the peop- uh, that the municipalities are closest to the people. And so they're using them to implement the agendas. And, uh, okay. you know, Klaus Schwab uh, has uh, verbalized this. 2030 agreement, uh, 2030 agenda has said this as well. It's right in there. And that's why we're appealing to Canadians to please get into, commit it, commit to having a large group of people build on that group and attend every single uh, city meeting and start getting your voice heard. It is absolutely critical and so important. You have the ability within your communities to turn this around. That's how powerful this is. And then when we come up to elections, we start electing the individuals that are supporting our side and understand and will verbalize, you know, the harms that this is causing and how we're losing our democracy because of it. Okay, Trenzio, you said there's four, uh, sorry, five new hands up, I believe. Can we give that one more try? And if not, I'm going to just go right straight to the Q&A. Absolutely. Yes. Next person we have is Leah. Hello. Hello. Hi, Hi, Leah. Leah. Great. What's your question? Uh, just wondering about um, if we live out in the country, how does that work with those 15-minute cities? How do we get around that? That's going to be depending on the legislation or whatever orders they bring in. Um, being out in the country is not going to be as um, easy for them to do because you can live out in the country and nothing is going to be within 15 minutes. The primary method that they're doing is within city limits. Um, but they may have other substitutional things they they may say well if you're within 15 minutes of city limits then we'll allow you to do x amount up to that you know maybe five minutes within the city and that's it or they may set limits within the country that you can travel so a lot will depend upon what is going to come out you know you're you're dealing as i said earlier many not today but many times you're dealing with criminals who want Mm -hmm. power over you they always have the upper hand because they know what they're going to do in advance and um, we can theorize. Force, Pardon? They can't force us off our property, can they? No, 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 no. Well, the, what they're using, I don't know where but, you are, but if you're in British Columbia, what we've had a problem here is the fires. And, and you may have mm-hmm. heard about these, uh, you know, horrendous fires that we had throughout BC, uh, you know, in the interior and up north. And we've had firsthand reports uh, from the first responders on these saying that they've been intentionally set. And then they've even in uh, past fires, there is videos and documentaries on it where the ranchers had come to fight the fires and the RCMP prohibited them from doing it. And so now for people down in the city, like myself, who want to move to the interior and buy a piece of property, they're now looking at the fact that, you know, there's fires, they have to have insurance and it's a scare tactic. But then what's coming in is people like Bill Gates are coming in and and buying up this property and cattle farms and, you know, the rest of it. It's like, oh, okay, they see land uh, come up for sale and and they'll purchase it. So there's different ways that I believe the government is trying to get a hold of those in rural areas. And it's not meant to alarm you, but it's meant to encourage you to give you a reason as well to get into your townships and make sure that good people are, are sitting to put a stop to this. 
And mm. I had a mayor that, uh, sorry, a city councillor that was in uh, one of the, I won't name, I won't name the district in the lower mainland. And she was invited into the special me meetings that were done provincially. And Trudeau, it was regarding the WEF and putting the 2030 agenda into place. And she ended up collecting evidence and gave it to the RCMP. I don't know where that information is going, but it was treason. The evidence that she had was that the province, Horgane, and the individuals involved in this, and they were getting word directly from Trudeau to implement this. And, and so that's why I say we got to take back our towns and our cities. And then those towns and cities refuse to comply with uh, the province's dictates, because that's what it is, because what the province is doing, if we measure it against the Constitution and the Charter, it's of no force or effect if it's in violation of our guaranteed rights with a period behind it. Okay, so the more people that understand this, uh, the faster we're going to get out of this mess. Okay, Terenzio, the next question. Thank you for your question. All right, next question is from Jim. Hi, Jim. Hello, how are you this evening? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Oh, fine, thank you. And thank you so much, you too. Uh, you look great with that headset. Uh, <laughs> I just have a question about, uh, is there a device that we can physically jam the 5G towers legally, like uh, an actual physical device? There, there should be something out there. Um, my first thought is I would say yes. I, I think technologically speaking, the, the answer is yes. However, <clears throat> one needs to look at what the power is coming out of there in order to be able to devise what you're going to use to jam it with. You need something that's going to be able to jam uh, whatever it is. And I'm not recommending anything, of course, but I'm just uh, pointing out that um, you would need, in my opinion, specifications and, uh, and, and all sorts of other uh, testing to, to know what exactly you're dealing with. But um, I personally have not seen anything. But technologically speaking, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something there's, out there. But Yeah, there's got to be something to counter that. That would be definitely something to research. I, mean, I, I know there, I'm not condoning this in any way. It's not that the thought has ever crossed my mind of drones that could go up and pour something on it, right? That would stop them because, because my heart is sick when I drive by them. I know the harm they're causing. I know the 15-minute cities that this is leaning to. I know our tax dollars are paying for those, the billions of dollars across Canada to put in these millions of towers on top of mountaintops in the, in the middle of the wilderness. I don't want to be watched 24-7, right? That little girl mm -hmm. said it best, like, even yeah. would I want to go home on my own? I mean, if somebody was going to grab her and uh, take her with a hoodie on, they'd never end up knowing who that individual is. The whole thing is a farce, only meant to control us, and I think we should have a say in this. This is your tax dollars. <laughs> Make sure you know what you're doing and what you're dealing with, though. Is it a 5G tower? Yeah. I see a lot of towers have gone up, mm -hmm. and my first question has been to people, how do you know it's 5G? Do you know what the, 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 the arms or the things that 5G looks like? Have you been testing it to see if it's a certain wavelength or frequency that 5G has that is emanating from that source? And it's important that... Test be done in advance to find out and confirm exactly what it is you're dealing with in advance, right? Right, and if you go to our page, we actually have a link where there's 5G towers, which ones are activated across Canada, because as David said, you know, when I was dealing with the city of Surrey, uh, I did an FOI, make sure you're doing FOIs, find out who's involved, who's lobbying them, 
the telecommunications uh, companies that are involved. Uh, that's a good way to start your opposition to these. Get the details first. And so I've got a ton of information on that. And when they went to put up the actual, they don't call them 5G, but I think they're 4G ready to flick the switch on for 5G. And they're these long tubey type look, half tubes, and they're connecting them to all of the towers, the communication towers in your community. You'll see a lot of those going up. Even the radio frequencies that those are emitting are harmful. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, uh, 5G. You know when you go through the uh, uh, what is it the, the the large cables under the freeway that they have uh, for the mm -hmm. communication wires? Your radio will go zzz, right. That's because of the energy coming from those uh, that system. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually affecting your body. Can you imagine living under that? Now they're putting it on our streetlights. This is causing harm. So get some of those uh, systems that measure. The, the EMF, you can buy those, you can purchase them on online. We maybe should put some good products on our website so that if you, you want to purchase them, you could do that and start measuring it. Get the readings, hire somebody in your community to get the readings and go to the city with facts so that you can prove to them that this is causing harm. Okay, next question. All right, next question we have is from Liz. Hi, Hi. Um, I have Liz. a quick question. I have a quick question for you, Tanya. First of all, my mom was a, is in Surrey Memorial Hospital. And they require masking. What do you say to the people? Because I got hassled when I was there. Mm -hmm. and, and then secondly, um, I have a nephew in Burnaby, and he told me that their um, city, that the city is going to this 15-minute city, but he has no no knowledge or anything about it. And so I gave him some stuff, but he doesn't know what the implication of it is. So how do we tell people about the 50 minutes? Well, I think even the short report that I've done on it this week, we're starting to build a web page. Uh, Sheila, maybe if you could put the link in, I know that Jenny's going, Jenny's our tech person in the background here. She's just awesome. Um, working on our web page as well. And we're trying to get these resources out as fast as we can. And uh, so I would say start asking, start asking for a freedom of information from the Burnaby City Council, find out who's lobbying them, uh, start interacting and saying, how can you set up a 15 minute city? When you look at some, I, I, I provided a couple of links, but when you start to uh, research this and you come across videos, the mayor in Edmonton, it, it, it had to do with a 15-minute city in Edmonton. They say, oh, you know, all the opposition is just conspiracy theorists. We're not going to be blocking the roads. This is just for the environment, right? Uh, we just really think this is a good idea. People can walk to the store and get their groceries and go to the doctors. And that's how they're selling it, just like they have everything else. Um, under the radar, very benign. Don't worry about those conspiracy theorists till they get to the point where the UK was and they start putting... Uh, concrete blocks with a steel post in the middle of the street where you're prohibited from moving through. So no, let's stop this right now. Say, I don't want my tax dollars being spent on this. It's a waste of money and time. And uh, again, it's about getting good people in. So yeah, they're already trying to counter it. As for your mom in the Surrey Memorial Hospital, I know I've, I've come across this. Uh, just even Kelowna is horrible, but a friend I know that uh, was rushed to emergency, she had a most excellent uh, experience. And she got in there, she got um, all the testing, everything she needed. She thought, shot, thought she had broken something, was in and out within uh, five hours. And Kelowna's are really bad. It's been a very bad health care 
uh, facility to be in, Surrey Memorial, as, as well as all of BC. So I would go in and I would provide them the uh, mask notice of liability. We've got one very specific to BC. And then as well, whoever the person is that you're caring for, uh, Sheila, if you can help promote that on our notice of liability page on Action for Canada's website. We also provide in BC only, it's not in any other province. Uh, it gives you, uh, if the person you're caring for has signed it as well, it gives you 100% access to them legally and they not, cannot prohibit you. Uh, masks are not mandated in BC. This is absolute nonsense and they cannot, pre- do you have anything to add to that, David? Because David yeah. was very much behind the <clears throat> creation of these uh, this mask notice. Those NOLs would, would be awesome to have with you anytime you go to a hospital. And ironically, I had to be with a friend of mine and um, in Kelowna General Hospital within the last few weeks. And her concern going in was the mask issue. And she had an injury she had to get looked at. And what we found is right at the doors where you go in, that's where they hit you the hardest. And they want you to wear a mask. And we we fought it and simply said, no, we had, um, you know, we were ready to go and take them higher. And they didn't force it. And the whole time she was in, they didn't force it at all. And the nurses and doctors were pretty polite to her. And then we had to come back uh, for a follow-up just last week. And as we walked in again, um, the, uh, the at the front door, you, you need a mask, sir. Uh, and I both of us said, no, we're not. And I said, we're going to the second floor. We're here for a follow-up. And she said, oh, well, then you have to go to the registry desk. We went to the registry desk. Not a word was said. Mm-hmm. We went upstairs, second floor. Not a word was said. Nobody said a word to us. And okay. we, we got in at Kelowna, and we had no problems without wearing a mask. It may, and I, I say, unfortunately, it may be a different issue if you're a visitor, and they may not let you in if, you've been, uh, if you haven't been vaxxed. That I have no personal experience with. But that would be an issue that, in my opinion, is, is simply clearly wrong for a variety of reasons. I mean, forcing somebody to be vaxxed is like forcing them to get slapped in the face. It's still an assault. Right. And, uh, and they, they cannot lawfully do that one way or the other. But um, to answer your question on mask at KGH, we, we simply didn't have a problem. Yeah. So we've had, we've had good reports on that as well. Um, the other thing is, is it's going to be how you carry yourself. Make sure you've read the notice of liability. Make sure that you yeah. know what your rights are, so you could confidently go in there, and you could you you could say, you know, are you aware that you're in violation of my rights? Get your camera out, start recording the um, information as well, because nobody wants to see themselves on social media right now, and they know that people are actively involved in doing that. And um, if you're confident in what it is that you're saying, the, uh, the you know these bullies will generally back down. And the problem is, is that they're, some of them are just doing what they're told. And uh, you say, you know what, you need to go and talk to your supervisor. What you're doing is in violation of my rights. You name those rights off. If this continues, I'm going to serve you. And you could end up being legally liable. And uh, yeah, so confidently go in, use our notice of liability. And um, I'm praying that you'll have a good result. And the op- I agree. The operative word, be confident. Mm-hmm. Be confident. <clears throat> All right. Next person we have up is Roxanne. Hi, Roxanne. I know Roxanne. I hope you can unmute Roxanne. There you go. There you are. Uh, Hi there. Um, Oxford is a real tourist town. And here, closer to home in BC, Vancouver, Victoria, are big tourist hotspots. 
is Oxford bringing um, awareness to the tourist industry? Because it seems like these would be big allies. It's one of the world's biggest industries. It's going to destroy the tourist industry. They're already having problems there with tourism. That was one of the issues that they've already come up with. And that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, any place that you bring that, are you telling the tourists, if you rent a car or you want to use a family member's car or somebody's car that you can't go with uh, more than 15 minutes? I suspect a lot of tourists would say, what? We're not even going to come then. And um, because they are having tourism problems there, it's already started. That's it's, an excellent point. It's the whole reason why this whole nonsense is going to fall down around them. But they didn't mind destroying the tourism industry through COVID either. They intend to. They don't want people going. Think about what the United States is going uh, through right now as well for the cities and towns that um, have direct access to Canada. And it's it's for some of them, it's plummeted. But also for many of them, I've had reports that the border guards are allowing people to go into these small towns, right? Because they know that these are their friends, family, neighbors who are suffering because they no longer have Canadians business. So we got to apply pressure. We got to apply our rights. And I really do believe we we have the power to turn this around. But you got to be confident. All right. You got to be empowered. All right. Let's go with uh, two more questions. And then, David, I want to close out the show by you just uh, updating people on your webinar series. Sure, briefly. thank you. All right. Yeah. So, Trenzio, can we go two more questions? Yes, I'm sorry, I... I know we can never get through all the questions. There's conversation and things that need to be done respectfully for everybody. All right. No problem. Next question we have up is from Ellen. Hello. Hello. Um, Hi, Ellen. I was, Hi. I, was, uh, I live in BC, and I was at a council meeting last night where they were putting, trying to put through a climate action plan for 2030. The recommendation being the direct staff to proceed with the implementation of the 2030 climate action plan. And uh, it'd be good for you to put on your website if you can uh, uh, um, look up District of Souk and put it on your website because it is bad, bad. We pushed it back. Um, what town was that? For now. Well done. So it's a residence cycle. I just, I just want to say it's a residence, uh, what they're saying is residents walk, cycle, use electric and mobility devices, take transit and drive an EV for 75% of their trips to and from Souk by 2030. Uh, those are just the sum of things. 30% passenger vehicles, 10% of commercial vehicles are, are electric by 2030. Uh, all new heating and hot water systems generate zero emissions starting in 2024. All new buildings are net zero energy ready and built using low carbon. I mean, the whole thing is so bad. All new buildings use heat pumps or other forms of zero emissions heating, and no new residential or commercial natural gas connections are made after 2024. It also means that over 200 homeowners per year begin the process of retrofitting their homes to use zero emission heating and hot water systems. It, it, it goes on and on, um, but it, it is totally supporting what you're saying about the 15 minutes. Um, 15 minutes and what they're doing somebody mentioned what about in rural areas because it is a rural area so what they're su- suggesting is uh mode um nodes different nodes so that people can travel within 15 minutes interesting enough <laughs> walk to and from so right be very cautious i'm saying be very cautious be be involved check everything that's going forward because they that it's um it's not the people but it is definitely coming from the province the province is offering money 
said, mm-hmm. if you come up with $27,000, we'll give you $130,000. And we'll give you $130,000 a year as long as you uh, push this to 2030. So really, people have to be so involved. Everybody has to get out to every council meeting, check, read your agendas, be there, ask the right questions, and don't back down. I agree. You, you know what? When you're traveling and that bar comes up and you can't go any further, by then it's too late. If I agree, yeah. do it now. All right. Yes. Well, All right. And, and not only that, uh, something that came to my awareness as I was researching this is that with the digital ID and the whole banking system that they're, they're trying like sheep to the slaughter, they're trying to move us towards, right? And uh, the, the other thing is, is that say you do walk across and, and you're going to go into another district, well, your bank card won't work. There's no more cash. And so you're not going to be able to spend any money either unless you're going to, you know, like me, I'd end up having to go a long ways to get to my sisters, but I'm not going to be held back from doing this. But Ellen, thank you so much. You give us hope. This is exactly what we're saying is you've got to get involved. You've got to be part of these meetings and you've got to push back. But we need to do it knowledgeably. We need to provide them information as well. And we need to hold them to account saying, why are, why are you taking these steps to destroy our democracy and the freedoms of, of the citizens in, in your vicinity? These are your neighbors, your friends, your family, that, that you are contributing to the destruction of this nation. Why are you doing that? Hold them to account as well. Okay, Terenzio, one, one more question, please. All right, next question. Last question is from Debbie. Oh, hi. Am I am unmuted? You are, oh, Debbie. What's goodness. your question? Well, I was wondering, you know, how about, like, people that want to travel to other provinces? How's that going to happen? And, and also, this is not part of the question, but you know what? I was wondering what one can do, like, at Walmart, at the checkouts. They have the video cameras on the checkout machines, and I got really upset. Anyways, and I, and I talked to the manager and I said, what is this about? And he said, it's to prevent identity, or I mean, uh, stealing things. And I'm like, oh, crap. I said, that's what those big cameras are all over the, you know, store. And I said, this is a infringement of our rights. I said, this is, this is a violation. And I said, this is not China. And he was wow. so upset with me. He wanted me to leave. And I said, no, I'm not leaving until I finish checking out my stuff but anyways what can one do about all this stuff and people are so complicit they think oh well it's no big deal well it is a big deal so now when i go there i cover up the camera so they can't see my face mm-hmm. no that's a very good point and again again the more we verbalize this uh the more that you get into action for canada chapters and we build these communities together we can't be uh you know all fractured with all types of different organizations and, and I appreciate other organizations, but we're all, one of the only ones with all of the resources and the strategy and the national presence. And so this is another point. This is something that would be discussed within the chapter meetings. And this is another group that could be developed to, to start talking to uh, Walmart. Way back at the beginning of COVID, Walmart is based in the United States. Uh, they're very much into the global agenda. And so I wanted to ban Walmart. And so I called Superstore over all of their, uh, you know, restrictions that you you couldn't shop at Walmart unless, you know, you were wearing a mask. That's how it started out. I called Superstore. I went all the way up the chain saying, look, you know what? 
this is my organization. We'd like to support you. You say you're all Canadian, even though they carry a lot of Chinese project, product, which I'd like to see banned in Canada. Uh, we don't need it. We should be finding other ways to get that. But that's a side issue. Anyways, all the way up the chain. And of course, then I find out that the uh, owners of Canadian Superstore are heavy supporters of the Liberal government. And so yeah. they denied uh, being on the front line of, uh, you know, not forcing people to wear masks. But shortly after that, uh, they did. I never went into Superstore. I never went anywhere and wore a mask in any of the stores, including Walmart. And, and so because of that public opposition, I believe that's a reason why there was a change. And, and so this is, again, what if we all collectively came together and just destroyed in Canada one of these mega corporations? Pick either Costco, because they were horrific during yeah. the lockdowns, or we would pick Walmart. Costco, the advantages. I used to actually work in Costco in the buying office very early mm-hmm. on. We had three warehouses in Canada. I was in charge of the freight department. Um, and the data processing, and I was the one responsible when we purchased a price club or whatever in the East and turned it into a Costco and then growing that up. And the thing that I know is that they have a membership base. Everybody pays a membership. So on that alone, if they lost their membership base and everybody just stopped going to Costco, can you imagine the outcome? Now they're US-based as well. Could we collapse Costco or would you like to collapse Walmart? They're both U.S.-based. And when I called Walmart and I spoke to them about this and said this directive is coming from the United States to force, uh, you know, the masking and the vaccine, I says this in violation of Canadian law. So you live in Canada, you work in Canada, so you have to abide by Canadian law. I don't care what the U.S. is telling you. You have an obligation. So there were conversations uh, going on, but... What we need is we need Action for Canada numbers to grow exponentially so that when we put a call to action like this in place, we can actually have an impact where people will forget about their comforts of going to Costco. I do go to Costco with my mom now. My Costco card has been um, cancelled a long time ago. There's a no trespass order for me, but my mom's 82 years old. And there's a couple of things that she enjoys there. She's 82 years old, so I'm not going to fight her on that, but... I'm, I'm hoping that one day she'll just cancel her, her card as well. And, uh, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to say, I don't need them. I'd, Save on Foods has been really good here. You know the department stores that would be so happy to have our business. What's it worth mm-hmm. to you? People are so concerned about their own comforts that they're not willing to give it up. So the key is we need to get Action for Canada to a million plus people. I believe that... Uh, we'll be able to do so much then. I was thinking today as well, because I'm so discouraged about what's going on into the schools, that if we had a campaign for, uh, like, first of all, thank you to all of the parents who are willing to sacrifice and take your kids out of school. Um, There are reports coming in of the registrations dropping considerably. Uh, Catholic school in Ontario had a 3% drop in registrations, but I think it's a much greater drop than that because I believe that there were a lot of people that pulled their kids out of the local public schools and put them in the Catholic school thinking it would be better. And so they probably had registrations from people they wouldn't normally have, but I would be interested in the numbers from the public school. After speaking last night at that event, I already had a gentleman come up and said, I'm taking my 12 year old. I'm not taking, it's like Russian roulette. Don't put your kids in the public school. 
keep them out of university. You'll have only, uh, you know, Marxist kids coming home and it's just not worth the risk. And, and so we have the power as people to do a great deal. So please help Action for Canada out so that we can be that force that we're creating in Canada that the government is becoming very concerned about. We can do this. All right, um, my friend, would you please tell people throughout the fall, 15 weeks, I think you had a program that educated people on yeah. the Constitution. <clears throat> you go ahead and take it. This uh, webinar series is available to individuals yeah. still, right? That they can, uh, this is to be purchased. My good friend here has spent a great deal of time, and I think you've always been so very fair about the cost that you charge, but I'd highly, highly recommend this series. Thanks. Um, Terenzio, can you bring up the schedule onto the screen? Um, I guess on Tanya's computer, please, if you wouldn't mind. Five seconds. Sure. This, um, this work started 20 years ago, when, um, or more actually, when I first learned income tax was unlawful. And my first question was, how is everything going to get paid for? And then uh, I learned about usury and interest being uh, prohibited in our law. And uh, if you take that out, you don't need income tax, right? And as I learned more and more rights and freedoms, I began to look, and one of my next questions was, where do they get the power to do these things? And everybody talks about Parliament having the power to do things, or the legislature. But their only power is there to aid and advise the monarch. They are the head of the military. They are the head of the state in Canada. And if you go back historically... That is where all the power is, is in the monarch. And once you learn where the power is and what their limitations are, then you can begin to go, okay, those are the limitations. If you exceed them, we're not going to comply with them. And throughout my learning curve over 20 years, which has been from Dalhousie and Vic, uh, Halifax all the way to Victoria, and there's been an incredible amount of information that I learned that Number one, shocked me a little bit. And number two, shocked a lot of other people when I had to explain it to them. For example, most people don't know what property rights are. And most people do not know what a person is at law, despite the fact that every company, or I should say every statute in Canada, specifically says persons. They don't say men or women. And those are the first two that I was getting involved in. And then I learned about the coronation oath. And... That's when I realized we don't have an absolute monarch, it's a limited monarch. So what we've done in this webinar series is go through the entire hierarchy of our law. Who is in charge, where they get their power from, constitutionally speaking. Because everybody, the, the police, all government officials have to swear an oath of allegiance and an oath of office to the monarch. What do those mean? Because it's an oath, it's taken under oath, it's not meaningless. And we go through all of those details for every aspect of our society and who's in charge and where they get the power to tell you what to do. For example, a law is a command to do something or not to do something. And once you realize a law is a command, my first question is, well, where do you get the power to make those commands? And how are you going to enforce them? And a whole bunch of other questions. Once you learn that a person and a man are different, then my question comes, okay, how did I as a man become a person? And if I'm not a person, then the statute doesn't apply. And a whole panoply of question, legal questions come up that goes 
what what the government is telling you is wrong. Parliament is not in control. The governor general is the representative for the monarch, and uh, the basic principle of that that contract is that the monarch has sworn an oath to uphold God's laws as the supremacy of God in our constitution. That's where it comes from. And when the monarch, when, when Lizzie the Lizard signed the charter, the reason it says supremacy of God in there is because that's part of her oath, and she had to include it. And you'll notice it says supremacy of God and rule of law. It doesn't say rule of law and the, and the supremacy of God. And the supremacy of God is there because that is the starting point in our Constitution. I go through all of this in our, in our uh, presentation. It's about 30 hours, and we've included some Q&A in there as well. And there's about 1,300 PowerPoint slides. Virtually everything I point out to you is supported, and I tell you where I'm getting the information from so you can verify it. And we talk about, as I said, property rights. I show you where property is in our Constitution, and the best thing that ever happened is that property is not in the Charter. It's just awesome that it's not in there, because then they can't use Section 1 to override it. We talk about what property is. We talk about what personhood is. We spend a lot of detail on the coronation oath a significant amount of detail. I show you pictures of the videos that were taken at that time by the BBC when the monarch was sworn in, the whole ceremony, and what it means. And King Charles is going to do his later this year. They were talking about amending it and removing the Christian part of it, which he doesn't have the power to do. He doesn't. Rocco confirmed that for me the other day. Yeah. I talked to him about it. Yeah, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm just glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the power to change it. Yeah. He wanted to change it from defender of the faith to defender of all faiths. Oh, and he, no. <laughs> he does not have the power to do yeah. that. It's the supremacy of the Christian law that is a foundation of our land, and he cannot change it. And he found that out very quickly. Mm-hmm. They came up and said, look, whether you like it or not, you can't do that. Oh, that's very good to hear. I've so, been wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, um, anyway, so that's our whole presentation. And we talk about some solutions at the end. And the presentation is, like I said, it's about 30 hours. There's a phenomenal amount of information. And um, our email address, if you're interested, is clear2012 at uh, pm.me. So clear two zero one two two zero one two at pm dot me. All right, all right. Thank you. Uh, so yeah. Sheila's already posted that in the chat as well. Yeah, thank and you. And when we post this video uh, on on Rumble, we'll make sure that we include that in the description as well. I'd highly recommend that you get uh, David's series. It's just absolutely <clears throat> it. it for myself, I mean, I haven't actually been able to go through even half mm-hmm. of uh, what you do, David. But as I've been researching and creating notices of liability, and and I just I do feel empowered. I feel hope for my future because I'm like, wow, we have all these guaranteed rights. I wish more Canadians knew about it, mm-hmm. and then they wouldn't be succumbing to this. They wouldn't be anxious. They wouldn't be living in fear. They would confidently be walking their freedoms out. And I think that's yeah. an amazing thing. On one more closing note, um, I know that you have had some legal cases as well, some legal actions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've spoken, you know, about the legal actions that were we've um, been assisting people taking the criminal charges. Uh, We don't have a whole lot to report on that yet. Uh, The government's still very concerned about what we're doing, adjourning cases, trying some uh, to dismiss them. Uh, They're very, very concerned about whether or not they proceed 
Because if they say, yes, this was criminal, what does that say for our health officers? What does that say for our government officials who have been behind all of this fraud and propaganda, right? So tell us a little bit about your situation, and then we're going to wrap this program up. Sure. Um, We've been doing rallies in Kelowna for three years, and our rallies basically were one of the first to start in the interior in B.C., and we've gone from six people. We've had rallies up to 2,000 on, on occasion. And a lot of people have become involved on freedom issues because of the rallies. I'm, I'm very grateful for, for all of that. And a lot of times people question, you know, well, what effect is it having? And we can see that now because recently the city of Kelowna has filed an application to the court called a petition. And they want to ban our rallies, not just from the park we do it in, but from all downtown, they want to ban these rallies. I don't need to tell you the uh, the implications of that, not only for Kelowna, but every community in British Columbia, if they were to be successful. Everybody has the right to assemble, freedom of protest, um, free speech, freedom of assembly, and so on. And they're trying to use City of Kelowna bylaws to override our constitutional rights and freedoms. So probably in about a week or two, I'm going to get served with those documents and I'm going to be keeping them public on our website when we start getting them in. I don't, haven't seen all the evidence. I haven't seen any of the evidence yet. They got six affidavits filed in support of it. I'll be doing mine. I'm looking at getting other people involved as well. The, um, the case is against myself our group CLEAR, Common Law Education and Rights, John and Jane Doe, and Persons Unknown. So as we get more strategies ongoing, I don't want to give too much away right now, but I do want you to know that the city of Kelowna, three years later, uh, I should say, they started a year and a half laying tickets against me every week. They've got 200 bylaw tickets they've given against me for these for these uh, rallies. Only 200? Only 200. <laughs> okay, and it's costing them more money. <laughs> So they, it's um, crazy. you know, if I, I've said to a lot of people, if what we're doing with our visible protests have no effect, mm-hmm. you would not see a court application being filed to shut us down. Mm-hmm. A bylaw officer came up to me 18 months ago and he said, David, we were called from the government in Victoria and told to start issuing tickets to try and shut you guys down. Mm-hmm. Castanet in town here, an official. Rob Gibson came up to me and he told me we were contacted two years ago and told by the government, we are not to give anybody like you who believes in freedom and opposing COVID to give you a platform in the media. The government called them and said, don't you print anything about Mm -hmm. them. We are having a major effect beyond what the visible eye can see. Otherwise, they would not be trying to ban us. And then use it as a precedent, of course, to ban everybody else eventually. Right. The importance, I cannot underestimate what's going to happen. It's going to be a long case. There's going to be a lot of people involved eventually. And um, I just wanted to update everybody to let you know that the government and the city of Kelowna have conspired to try and shut our protests down. We've had so many, we've had doctors speaking, so many wonderful people speaking at our protest to educate people that, as we just talked about, to give them the confidence Mm -hmm. that what we know is correct, and people have gone and acted on that, so good for them. But I wanted to let everybody know that um, they are 
going on the offensive against us, and um, I'm I'm just overly confident we're going to be uh, we're going to be able to win in the long run. It has it has to be. I mean, be. we we are hundred percent protected by the Constitution, and by them trying to wave these magic wands and and come up uh, come up with scenarios to shut you down, uh, they just are not going to succeed in it. And if it has to go to a constitutional challenge, however it works, you know, we're going to go the distance on this. So. Government, stop wasting taxpayers' money. Stop putting us in this position. Stop interfering with our guaranteed rights. We're on to you. We know what we're doing. Yep. I've spoken at some of your rallies. Yes, you right? have. I have. I've been yes. there supporting yep. all of this. And because I 100% believe that what we're doing is on the side of right, we're guaranteed it. We know it. We're providing this in writing. And so the more yep. we press into these mayors and city councils, you've you've got a new mayor now. You've got a couple mm-hmm. of good councillors with the city uh, about how much power they have, uh, you know, because of the opposition that also remains on there. Uh, We've got access requests filed to find out, like City of Kelowna. Who's behind this, right? Who's behind it? Somebody, after the election in October, somebody, some bureaucrat, drafted a proposal to City Council to appropriate money for legal costs to to institute this. So City Council had to vote on it. Mm -hmm. We've got an access request to find out who voted on it, including some of the new councillors that people in the freedom movement helped get elected, right? And if they voted to have this in, there's going to be a big backlash against right. them within three or four months. They're voting to, to, to start banning protests by the people that helped you get elected. Mm-hmm. So a lot is on the go right now, um, getting information and stuff that we're going to eventually be sharing with everybody. But interestingly enough, some of our biggest rallies, we're with Tanya present as well. Was that right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That was great. I've so enjoyed those crowds. I haven't had time to go out to, to rallies anymore, but so I'm so appreciative of this platform. It's a high energy. When, when you is. get that many people. It's so encouraging. I've told people at a rallies, take a look around you and the energy that's there. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if it was a regular Saturday or something. We have scaled back some of the, the rallies to focus on other stuff, but scale around and and. Imagine what it's like if nobody was there. Yeah, nobody it's... was there standing for freedom, and now compare it. Look at all this positive love and energy that's there. It's an yeah. amazing feeling. And I'm and I'm a hugger, right? Right, Heather. <laughs> I saw you last night. <laughs> Heather, came, <laughs> Heather came into town and I hugged, and um, you know I just so appreciate people and them showing up at these events. And we are taking a shift to go into with Action for Canada. We're creating events across the nation we're asking churches to open their doors so if you have a church and there's an action for canada team in your community uh please ask the church to open it open that up because it is so exciting working together with people helping our kids in the school systems reaching out to business owners uh supporting elected officials getting ready to do that we're going to start getting third-party registration in upcoming elections and be a real force in this nation it's all going to happen from within right? It's going to be like-minded people and it's very strategic. So David, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I don't know if people understand um, what it is that you have gone through in order to receive 200 tickets plus, right? And then to have to go to these uh, legal events. And then as well, the time that you're spending with individuals, helping to support them and helping to represent them in court against their employers. And so how could people financially support you? Um, If people are able to 
support financially because there's other court cases I'm involved mm -hmm. in right now. I'm doing a constitutional challenge to show that the RCMP have no jurisdiction in the province. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be important because they, you know, Surrey wanted to get rid of them. As you know, your uh, new mayor wants to bring them back. Yep. And if I'm successful, it won't matter because they'll yeah. be gone anyway, right? <laughs> but um, if they could help, um, e-transfers can be made, would be very much appreciated just to our email address, clear2012, which is in the uh, chat box, clear2012 at pm.me. If, um, okay. yeah, if anybody could help um that would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, and and get uh, David's series as well. I think that's another way that you could support him. Plus, you get something out of it. You get educated. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I just wanted to mention, too, about our webinar series. Um, they're all on our website. And what we do is, for people who register, we send you the password. So you can watch them anytime you want. And mm -hmm. you can watch them repeatedly anytime right. you want as well. So it's not a question of you watch it once and then you miss something and you have no way of going back. You can watch it and keep watching them right. once, once you've got it, right? But, but so. please don't share that password, right? Yeah, but don't yeah, share the yeah. password. It, it's copyright protected. Yeah, yes. it's copyright protected. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but if you were going to have a couple people over to your home and, 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 and watch it and learn together and challenge each other, Absolutely, that's, that's okay, fine. Right? Absolutely. I think we'd encourage that because yeah. we are, are, you have been so generous with everything. You work together with Action for Canada um, my notices of liability, you would review them on the mask one. You created most of that. Um, I did the nationwide one. You did the one in BC. And together, we're doing some miraculous stuff. The um, the uh, Know Your Rights, you had a huge mm -hmm. impact in that, in providing your experience. And Action for Canada provides all these materials for free because it is more important to us. This is a war we're in. And, uh, you know, we realize that. And so um, in supporting David, uh, just please do that because he's been such a gift to us and make sure that you're sharing this information as well. There's something else that, okay, I want to tell you another win and I'm, I'm going to yeah. do an action on this when I get home. Grant Abbott, the Nova Scotia counselor that was removed, he has won his appeal with costs. He still, it was nice. a portion of costs. Nice. And so this is absolutely tremendous. His lawyers were so surprised by all of this as well and so encouraged. And so I'll be providing information on that. Another good news was in, I think, Durham School District. Uh, Sheila, I'm trying to remember what happened there today as well. We've had some, some good news. Uh, that's right. There, there was uh, information that they ended up getting removed because they worked together. But Sheila, I'm not. That was a quick read that I did today. I'm not seeing you pop that in there. That's okay. I'm going to have these wins coming up in, uh, in upcoming events. And, of course, uh, recently... We also reported about the big win. Some of you donated to Majed. You've donated to Action for Canada, and we've donated to Majed for, le for the legal side of it. And uh, we need our war chest filled up. And uh, you know what? We have to count on Canadians. We're a working machine together, and I am trying so hard to only involve Action for Canada in legal actions that I think we're, that we're going to have not only major success, in, but that is successful in other avenues. The win with the Ogunkoya family was a huge win regarding our immigration policy. That was a huge pushback against the government on levels, you know, that I won't go into right now. So thank you for trusting Action for Canada. Thank you for your donations. We pray that you continue. Please become a monthly supporter. If all of our members just gave $5 a month or $10 a month, it would be amazing um, on the additional things that we can do because there's a legal action that I want to take on for a young gal that I think is going to be critical and very helpful in the movement. There's legal actions possibly against the Mission School Board 
possibly Kelowna or maybe Chilliwack. We've got to take action. If they're going to try to hold the ground and consider themselves uh, immune from the law, they've got another thing coming. They're mistaken. Okay? So, all right. On that, thank you so much, David. Thank thanks you. for joining us on the yeah, show. Terenzia, would you please bring the Bible verse up? All right, Psalm 145, 13 to 21. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires to those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. And then when I read that part, I was just like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's going to destroy the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. And and I just want to say, you know, there's key points to that verse. It's for those who love the Lord, for those who say, yes, Lord, if you're sitting on the fence right now, please understand that this is a massive spiritual battle of epic proportions. It is a battle of good versus evil, and we can no longer deny it. The average Canadian can no longer say, I don't believe in evil. And if you believe in evil, you see it, then you have to believe in something good, and that only good comes from God the Creator. When we mentioned earlier about uh, David and I both mentioned, the God of the Bible is the one that governs Canada. And when we look at the other nations that are governed by what I want to call other gods, small G-O-D, I would call those false gods because those countries are living in oppression. And it isn't, you know, an attack against these good people. It's just that Western civilizations, when they voted into office, when they actually cared about the ethics and the morality of who they were voting into office and the basis of where does their hope come from, where do they base that on, we had an incredible nation. We had a democracy. We had freedoms. People, you know, the, it, it, it was just a different nation, and, and we've recognized that. And I think to me that's what that verse is also saying, is that, you know, we need to give our hope in the Lord, and he does take care of us. And for those of you who are, who are saying that he feeds those who are hungry and it's a promise that he's going to take care of you. And it's not just a hunger, like a physical hunger. It's a spiritual hunger because some of you are feeling hopeless and you're feeling lost. And the only thing that is going to fill that hole is to, is to me and a hundred percent is God. And he will give you a peace that passes all understanding, but he'll also give you the joy in the midst of this. And fear is of the enemy. It's of the devil. It's not of God. I don't walk with fear. I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm angry. I'm table-turning kind of angry at the enemy and those who are perpetrating these crimes against my fellow citizens. I have a righteous anger against those who are perpetrating these crimes against our children. But I know that God loves me. He protects me. And my days are in his hands. No earthly person can take away my days until God says, it's time. And I don't fear. And so I just, I just want to give you that hope 
because it can only come in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So anyways, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you to those of you who are going to end up watching this, uh, you know, on the Rumble channel. And just God bless you and God bless Canada. Yeah!